Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is November 8th, 2016, and of course, we all know in the U.S., this is voting day. So, go rock the vote, people. Get out. So, We've got an exciting show today. I've got a guest um, on from, well, he's born in London. Uh, he studied geology at Leeds University. And so he's my guest today. Before I bring him on, he, he wrote the book The Learn, by the way. He's a debut author. We're going to talk about the ups and downs of authorpreneurship because it ain't easy. That's just the reality of it. It's not an easy gig. And generally speaking, not a high-paying one, especially when you're starting out. And so you've got to do a lot of work to get your name out there. And that's what he and I are going to spend a little time talking about. But before we do that, I want him to tell us more about his book and why he writes, why he decided to write it. I mean, he's come from a geology background. How does that work? So let's welcome Tony Hawker to the Back Porch Writer program. Hey, Tony, uh, welcome Back Porch Writer. Hi, good morning. Nice to be talking to you. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about why you decided to write a book. Uh, I've always loved living in the world that authors create. And um, sometimes I come to the end of a book and I've lived with wonderful characters and I've always been in awe of people who've created that world and those characters sometimes with particularly good characters you almost feel a loss that you've reached the end of the book and I've always wanted to be able to create people like that I probably write for me as a as a result of that um I probably I don't want to present myself as an angst-ridden artist who's not been able to create but uh, I recently found uh, a first novel of a book I wrote 10 years ago and I'd really even forgotten I've done it so over the years I've tried several times to put pen to paper and become somebody that I might be happy to call a novelist so what what happened I mean you did it before and you situated many many years and now now you're doing it what do you think changed well, I maybe I'm not that busy. I made time in my life to, uh, by the natural evolution of my career, to be able to write. I'd paid the mortgage and my children had grown up, so uh, I made the space to do it, and that, that's the key issue, I think. And sometimes to find out what you really want to do, you have to make space, because we're all carried on by the routines of life. Oh, it's so true. So true. I've owned a business for the last 13 years, aside from being an author and, and having that as my business. I actually owned a tea company for 13 years, and I finally decided I needed to make more space a few years ago for me to write and to start publishing because I've been talking about it for years. So completely understand where you're coming from on the whole. Got to make space for it and, and eke out time everywhere you can for it. 
So this book that you've yeah, written we, we, is we, called we, The we, Learn. We're driven by our habits, I think. We, not only on a yes. month or weekly basis, but a daily basis. We know what we're going to do when we get up in the morning. And I think sometimes we have to plan to do nothing so we know what we really want to do. Oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> I love studying habits and how, how we form habits and things. I was listening to, actually watching and listening to a presentation by a, a Dr. B.J. Fogg, and he talks about tiny habits. And the, the one that he, I was listening to at the time was called the Maui habit. Essentially, every morning when you get up, right when your feet hit the floor, you say, it's going to be a great day or it's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be whatever you want to fill in for your adjective there. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a really great way to start the day. <laughs> Because it, for me, I just started doing it. It helps me refocus on here's really what I want to accomplish for this day. And you know, there's all this tedious stuff, but that's not the important stuff. And so, yeah, very good point about the, the habits. But so, I think if we, uh, you know, oh, I've got lucky to a point where I don't have to get up and run off to pay the mortgage anymore. Uh, you know, my children have got jobs and are doing their own thing. So, again, you know, that's a very lucky point in life, I think. It is very lucky. You are very fortunate. I'm not in that at that point. <laughs> I'm I'm really not, um, and I I know a lot of people aren't. And so you do have to work really hard if you're not in that position. You have to work particularly hard, I think, to get it get those little moments where you can write and create it as a habit. You know, it, it's uh, that I think, I think in the, all the years I've been writing, I think that's what you have to do. That's the hardest thing: the habit. Knowing you want to do it even with the space I've created I have to not let the distractions that we all have sometimes take over because I know I want to write uh, but it's very easy to get distracted it, it exactly it is very easy to get distracted I know for the last several months I I have a, a third my third book in my series that I started writing before summer break for my children well summer break happened and it's a lot harder for me to get anything done because they're home, they're young. And so I, I put it aside for a little while. I've got, I'm in school right now, in graduate school. So I'm doing all the other, the other things. And I said, okay, it's National Novel Writing Month, November, National Novel Writing Month. Hey, everybody, do a nano. I decided not to do nano, but I decided I would refocus on the book for this month and try and get it all knocked, you know, get the first draft done in November. We, so we need a slogan for the day, something November. like fight off the distractions. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I guess for me, my habit is when the kids are in school, I write, and when they're out of school, my writing has to take a different path. <laughs> That's essentially what my habit is right now. So, okay, I really I wanted to talk about this book because it's your first book, that, well, technically your second, but you published it in September of this year, and it's called The Learn. What's the story? Uh, the, the, the story is really brings about it's about two things it's about technology change values beliefs uh, personal development uh, control uh, I've worked a lot in industries where technology is continually changing and the whole structure of the world around people changes their confidence in where they are and what they do changes but actually, I've set this novel in the Bronze Age, so in prehistory. And, and I've done that because I'm motivated by landscape and some wonderful prehistory things that our ancestors, ours and yours, created 
that I can go and see and touch and walk in today. Uh, interestingly, I, I think the fact that it's about, to me, modern issues, but it sets the canvas is the Bronze Age, makes it quite difficult to position when I'm trying to be the authorpreneur and position it as a marketable product and make it clear to readers the kind of thing that they might find when they open the pages. No, it's it's Celtic Druid Society, and it's it was described to me as lyrical historical fiction. So what does that mean exactly? Well, I, I, I know all the places. I can touch all the places. So in a sense, I've written about places in the landscape that I know that you can go and see today and visit. And I've imagined the people in those places. I've also looked at our folklore that, that we have that talks about Celtic festivals and Celtic gods and goddesses. And I've made them reality. I think most of our folklore is based upon a story that happened and has been told a million times and has changed slightly each time. And I've tried to put myself in the head of those people who were um, not struggling but actually prospering in a landscape were very clever because they made stone observatories and they could make fine bronze artifacts and know how much tin was in them without the chemistry that we have today. So I've imagined clever people and I've given them names and I've put them in a beautiful landscape you could visit and I've tried to write about the nature that they faced and their relationship with nature, the hills, the valleys, the sea and the weather. And I've tried to weave that into a story and talk about their culture and their values and the pressures on them. Mm -hmm. And it is about so the development of young people in that context. So it, it, these people are students. They start early, and this is about the pressures on them to become uh, clever, to become warriors, to become craftspeople, uh, and it's the relationship of those people again, in the landscape. I like to think of the landscape as one of the characters in this book. Uh, I, I think that's mm -hmm. quite a... It's very hard to write about that. Mm -hmm. When people talk about it being lyrical, try to find a voice that is uh, using the language we have today that might ring true if you're, you try and put yourself, you try and imagine yourself in this stony, rocky, sea, windswept, landscape that I'm actually sitting looking at as I speak to you today and it's grey sky and the wind is coming in and people not only lived on the edge of all of that but they prospered and they built things that we can see today that were clever. Mm -hmm. So how are you finding an audience for historical fiction for this novel? I think that is a challenge because um, people I think of it as historical fiction, and some people have suggested perhaps it's fantasy, and um, perhaps because I've imagined much of it, it is. But then I would argue most historical fiction is, in a sense, fantasy, because we take a name of a character or a house or a place or an event of history, and we weave um, uh, what we hope is a magic story around those things we know. And I've tried to do 
the same thing, but there's been a lot of discussion about what genre is it really? Uh, is it fantasy? Is it historical fiction? Um, I, I'm writing about prehistory. And that presents a challenge to a self-publishing author who's uh, trying to position uh, a product, a book, I, I don't see it as a product, but uh, in a market that is fragmented and competitive and people are looking to compartmentalize uh, what I've written or what anybody else has written. Uh, I, I did try to look at whether I wanted to publish this conventionally and it, it's clear that it would be difficult to uh, a, attract a agent to do that in a world that's defined by larger publishers and I've liked the control that I've had of the process in the independent publishing world and I continue to like that um, but positioning it is a challenge uh, on the other hand I've been able to attract some really good reviews in the mainstream media as well as the um, online media and how did you go about doing that? Well, we've had a uh, very small uh, press campaign. We've attracted and approached the online bloggers. Um, once they've written about it, we've, we've had one or two more mainstream, um, even printed media, come to us and uh, be willing to review the book. I've been blogging on some of the book blogging sites by invitation. Um, I'm the two of the um, universities where I've acquired degrees have been kind enough to give some publicity to what I've done. So publicity has attracted publicity, and word of mouth and the internet have been important to me. Um, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, and but mainly it's the book bloggers. Mm -hmm. How did you identify book bloggers who would be interested in this type of work? Um, over here, there, there are lists of the book bloggers, and it is the grueling process of approaching people, uh, offering them a copy of the book in exchange for an independent review, one that has some credibility. And so it's the hard work. It's the, it's the hard work that in our day jobs we all face and as an author you have to approach it that way and I've learned that in a sense nobody's going to come to me and as much as um, a, a pleasure that I've had out of writing what I've written and as much as I believe it has value I know I have to work very very hard to convince others that it has value. I think importantly there's very very different kinds of books and people read for different reasons. Some people want a quick fix. They want something to read for 20 minutes on the commute to work in the morning. Some people want something to read in a day by the pool. Other people want things to wheedle at and, and um, dig out what interests them and think about the sentences and the words and how they flow. And again, I think my book's a little bit the latter. It's a book that needs somebody who believes they need to or they want to work at finding out what this novel is really about. And, and I hope the language 
and the story encourages people to do that. But it's not a quick fix. It's not a morning's read. It's a several days read. It's not a book you can read for three or four minutes, put it down, and then pick it up for another three or four minutes. It's something that I hope people will live in for longer than that. Now, I noticed in looking at your book over on Amazon, you made some design choices that are a little bit different than what I've seen over the years. Um, one is that the cover is black and white, so I was curious about that. And two, on the inside, you've chosen a font that is, I, I don't know if whimsical is the right way to express it, but it's not a standard you know, New Times Roman type of font that you chose for the inside of the book. So tell me about the decision process regarding the, the cover first. The cover was really totally my concept. And in a sense, that, that might be a mistake, but it makes it different perhaps. But the the I looked, I spent lots of time wandering around bookshops and looking online at covers. And color is there, but it's sometimes very difficult to flick down a Amazon a page or a Twitter page of books and get any real sense of why one is different. I think that the visual imagery uh, if we, is very samey to me. Um, a particular kind of book has a particular kind of imagery, and I'm not sure my book has a, is a particular type of book. It's slightly different. So what I wanted to do was create an atmosphere that might actually take people in to the book itself rather than make a quick statement about a more sensational statement about the kind of book it is. So the, the issue of the black and white was an interesting one too. I have come across a few other books where the covers were broadly black and white with hints of color and I liked those. I liked those aesthetically. I liked the images. And in this particular case, I, I, I thought it told the story of nature. It set the context. It set the canvas in which I've tried to write this story. I did mm -hmm. see a picture, too. That, that's, it, it's come as a reminder. I saw a picture of some standing stones that exist uh, in, a, in a very old book. And I thought, well, I'd like that. That gives me a feel for where my story is and where my story is at. I started with that, and how does one differentiate? They, you know, there are millions of books out there, as you know, better than I do. So how do you differentiate it? How do you leave an impression that tells a story of the story in the novel? And, you know, I've had different feedback, and I can no longer be objective. <laughs> Once your head gets into both the, the book and the cover, I'm no longer objective at all. But uh, some of the feedback I've had said people like it and they like the atmosphere. Um, they tend to be people who like the book and it, it, as always there's people, there's a third who don't like it, there's perhaps a third who really like it and there's a third in the middle who uh, perhaps after working at it find they do like it or, uh, and certainly the, the lovers of the book like the cover. Mm -hmm. So why did you decide to you know, basically break convention and use the font that you use on the inside? Uh, I, that was not a decision 
I may. There, there is a uh, while well, it, it, the publish. There is a publishing imprint in this loop, Clink Street, and they are effectively work with self-publishers like me, and they made that choice, feeling it went a long way to reflect. It, it added something to the quirkiness of the book, the unclear or the nuanced genre that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, real quick, I want to go back to that the book cover and the black and white thing. I always think it's interesting because in my tea business, I purposely chose labels that were black and white with a hint of like green or a little bit of burgundy or something like that. I did that intentionally, and I did that in my advertisements when I would do an advertisement like in a phone book or something. And my reasoning was similar to what we were talking about, is that when people are scanning images, the black and white image actually stood out more than the color images because there were so many color images. And I have a feeling it's similar when we look on Amazon because there's a sea of books, and I'm scanning through them, and then, oh, what's that? And it causes me to stop and look at that black and white image. So I wonder if I do wonder if that plays into it a little bit um, on the marketing side for books. Is, well, how that's certainly what I was really hoping to achieve, but it, it was also about the atmosphere. I, interestingly, I because I'm quite advanced with a sequel, I'm probably at least a year away from publication, but I can't help but have my mind wander sometimes to what the cover of a sequel would look like. And I think it would be something, unless I get a lot of advice that tells me I'm making big mistakes, I believe it would be something similar, but with uh, one or two other additions and a little bit of color, but not too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, if it's a sequel, you might want to have, there needs to be something that connects the first with the second in, from an image perspective, I would think, and a branding perspective. You know, you'd want, I don't know, you want it to, to sort of gel, to go together with a uh, Great, absolutely. Um, okay, so how can people find you and your books? Um, I, I have a website, which is www.tonyhalker.com. That's T O N Y. H-A-L-K-E-R.com. That says a little bit about me. Uh, the book is available on Amazon and available in certainly in Europe, the UK, in a few bookshops. Um, so the, the best way is to go to the website and click through to Amazon. Okay, so go to Or go, dire- or go directly com. to Amazon, of course. Oh, go directly to Amazon. Okay, go directly to Amazon. I did not include your website in the... the uh, promo here, the, the write-up for the show, so I'll have to go back and put that in there, um, but at TonyHawker.com. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being with me here on Back Porch Writer. Uh, Corey, thanks for the opportunity. It's been good talking to you. <laughs> have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. So you heard it. Go check out Tony Hawker. He's over on Amazon. He could use some book review love on the U.S. side because his reviews are happening on the U.K. side for the most part, I think, and so he doesn't have any uh, when I check it from the U.S. side for Amazon. So check out his book if you're into uh, fancy historical fiction. You might like this particular book, and it could be uh, interesting and challenging to you at the same time. So TonyHawker.com or just go on over to Amazon. And as I said, today is voting day here in the U.S., so I've got to cut this short so I can head over to my polling place and cast my vote. You all have a great day.
Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.